Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News preview show on today, February 16th, 2017. I'm Eric Devin and joining me as always are Nathan Staples and Adam White before we look ahead to match stage 26. We are going to take a look, which is uh, once again in our presence after a good uh, two or three months off. Um, and on Wednesday, Paris Saint-Germain opened uh, French League's knockout stage campaigns uh, with a 4-0 thrashing of visiting Barcelona. It's probably fair to say that this eclipses even the extra time defeat of Chelsea as PSG's biggest moment of the QSI era. There's so many positives to take from this match and the play of Rabio, Maria, Pembe, Verratti. Nathan, what, what made the biggest difference for you on Tuesday night? Desire, maybe, being one, positivity. They, they were just, they looked like a completely different team than the, especially the one we saw against Monaco a couple of weeks ago. You couldn't, you couldn't say this was the the same team. They were absolutely terrific from start to finish. They didn't let up. They didn't have a moment's pause. They didn't rest on any of their laurels being 1-0 up or 2-0 up. They just kept going and they were excellent. I thought, you've mentioned the majority of the names, but I thought Trap was was decent, although he was only caught on occasionally. The defensive pair was absolutely sensational. Kimpembe was unbelievable in this game. It was a real coming out party. We've said how good he's been this season, but this was absolutely terrific against one of the best players in the world, Messi. He, he didn't give him any inch of space. He was great against Suarez as well, that front line. Really got, didn't get a sniff all night because of those defenders. I thought Munier was very good on the on the right-back position. I thought he was great attacking. I thought he was great defending. I thought he worked really excellently against Neymar, who was probably Barcelona's best player, really. But he still struggled to get, he still struggled to get everyone else involved in the game. Midfield was... I, the amount of times we've dis, we've said their midfield hasn't been good enough this season. What an unbelievable difference they made in this game. They were the pinnacle. They were the real driving force. Rabiot was super. Rabiot in that slightly more reserved role occasionally. He was joining attacks at will, but he was getting back if when needed. I, I, he was all over the pitch. He, if he, he was almost like the memes about Ungolo Kante sort of appearing out of nowhere. Rabiot was that player at the, on, on this game. He was absolutely superb. Um, Verratti, especially in the first half, was controlling things like, uh, like Iniesta in his heyday. He was superb. He kept the ball well. He was creative. He was trying to drive the ball forward, do things differently. He was absolutely sensational. And then the forward players, Di Maria has been excellent in the last couple of weeks. And we mentioned on Monday that the Draxler coming in has really forced him to go to the next level. And he was absolutely superb in this game. He he was a bother. He was a nuisance. Uh, Cavani was excellent movement-wise and took his goal very well. Uh, Draxler kept on getting in the box and kept on bothering the defence. Um, I don't think I've seen a better performance from PSG in a long, long while. They were absolutely terrific and kudos to an eye memory his tactics were excellent he didn't allow their midfield to get the ball he uh, forced pk and umtiti to play which made them nervous it made them tentative um they didn't allow any time on the ball for the when it did go longer to the the front three uh superb all around and it almost felt i don't know if, what you thought but it almost felt like the moment where the team have bought into unai emery they seem to have got exactly what he wanted they they understood the tactics that he wanted to play, the ideas he wanted to brought forward, and for the first time, it, at least it seemed, or or at least it, from a witness's point of view, they fully fully bought into that. And I don't know what you thought, Eric, but I thought, yeah, it just finally seemed to have clicked, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you know, and this is something that I, I think that really close observers of French football will will, no, will notice that this this is a different PSG. They've They've evolved. I mean, and this and this is the thing that that Emery has the faith in these young players to bring them on. I mean, honestly, if if we think about the way Laurent Blanc used players, even to the point that Ancelotti and to some extent Cambuari used players as well, there wasn't a trust of youth. I think that if we had seen uh, Verratti come off injured uh, last season or in in years past, we might have seen a, a change of formation, a change of tactics. Um, you know, maybe. I don't know, Matuidi would have played as a two with Rabio and Ben Arfa would have played as a 10. He wouldn't have brought on Christopher and Kunku. I mean, let's face it. You know, it was 3-0 at that point, but had Barca scored an away goal, 3-1 is a lot different of a scoreline in knockout football than, than is 4-0. And I think that showing that trust, for example, and showing the trust in Kempembe not to, not to play with the formations as Blanc had last year as well. I would think, think about that Manchester City match when Verratti was absent and 
He played that bizarre three-five-two. There's the trust that he's exhibiting these young players is what's gonna is what could potentially take this team to the next level. I mean, it, it's not perfect, you know, but in terms of its scope scope on the season, but on Tuesday night, PSG were pretty much just about perfect, and it's it's down to those young players. I mean, the other thing too. I mean, th- thinking about Rabio. You know, he gets a booking four, four minutes into the match, three minutes into the match. Or have we seen that before? The Coupe de la League final and a handful of other occasions that he gets an early booking, then gets himself set off unnecessarily. And, you know, I, and I don't know about you, Nate, but for me, you know, I see Rabio get that booking. I'm like, oh, crap. Here we go again. <laughs> we're, we're against, right? I mean, that's, yeah, that's you, the initial reaction. Yeah, yeah that, that he's going to get sent off again with a silly foul. Uh, and... It didn't happen. There, he played with an absolute, absolutely you know, radiant confidence, and 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 you know was doing fantastically well, getting forward, tracking back, shielding the defense. Uh, you know, for you know, I think that Di Maria's goals, especially uh, the one from open play, certainly get the get the plaudits. But uh, for me, the way Rabio protected that defense, I mean, he, that was absolutely magnificent, and he, he had he's had that in his locker. But it just takes it just takes a matter of trust because I think that you know the old Rabio or, or at least the Rabio under the former managers of PSG it doesn't play with that confidence doesn't play with that that vivacity and and that's uh, that's something that can really take this team forward. I mean, you know, it's not going to be easy if PSG have a Bayern Munich or a Real Madrid uh, in the next round. But seeing seeing them play with that amount of confidence, that amount of brio, we haven't seen that this season and. The personnel that's incorporated at the same time is just really impressive. So, you know, well done to these young players. Well done to Unai Emery for placing his faith in them uh, and not trying to, you know, jimmy with things as, as we've seen managers do in the past to the team's detriment. And I, I wanted to ask you also, Nathan, um, uh, what your thoughts were on Barcelona. Uh, they were, to be frank, awful. But what went wrong for Luis Enrique? Starting Rakitic, should he have changed the formation with, you know, with without um, Alex Vidal as an orthodox right back? Yeah, it was it was a, it was an odd one, wasn't it? I think I I, I watched uh, Revista just before the game. Alexis Vidal's injured for th- four months, I think, so that's why he didn't start. But Sergio Roberto was awful. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's a right back for starters, and he was so exposed so often. He was. Really, really poor, and he he put so much pressure on his defense. I I mentioned this on Twitter as well. I can't believe if you if you'd sent me physical photo evidence that Sergio Busquets played that game, and I'm a big fan of Busquets. I think he's excellent. Um, but I don't know where he was for ninety minutes. I've never seen him push so far up the field. I I've never seen him sort of try and be in a real central area to try and do something. He's such an excellent cleaner and sweeper sort of player in front of a defence and, and such a good p- a distributor of a ball from that area. I don't know where he was. He, he left his defence exposed so often that uh, I can't believe I saw such a bad performance from him. And it, it sort of fell apart from around him there. Andre Gomez was completely ineffective. So uh, you question why he didn't start someone like Rakitic because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Ivan Rakitic. I think he's a fabulous player. Um, and he's so creative, and he can he can really run games when you allow him to. Um, Iniesta had a real off night. I've not seen him play that poorly before. Messi seemed to be nudged off the ball every so often, and he he just didn't seem up for it. In after about the third goal came in, he just wasn't really bothered. I think the only player that, like I mentioned previously, I'm going to mention that can really have a semblance of of positivity about is maybe Neymar. I thought he at least he tried, at least when he got the ball, he wanted to try and do something, but no one around him wanted to be involved. But the defenders were standoffish, but Barcelona defenders tend to be because they have a good shield in front of them, allowing them to wait and make those right decisions. And I don't, I, I, I'm surprised that more people haven't picked up about Bush gets his play because he was awful. I don't think I've seen a worse defensive midfield display. I can't remember one. I can't pick one out of my mind because he was, Abysmal, and yeah, back last weekend. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's such no, a strange thing to say because you're he, absolutely right. Yeah, I, I mean, no. for me, it was either he was pushed too far up or dropped too far back. I mean, there are other times in the match where he was playing deeper than either PK or MTT, 
and not coming out to meet that challenge, whether it's Drax are cutting inside, Di Maria cutting inside, Robbie or Verratti with the ball at their feet. And that was exposing those two center backs and, and forcing them to make more tackles. I mean, I think we saw uh, leading up to Ntt's, uh challenge uh, on, was it Draxler that was the, the, led up to the free kick goal? Um, yes. That, you know, that's, that's a lack of, that's a lack of positional play on, on Busquets' part. I mean, yes, you know, the ball, the ball was lost on that right flank there, but you know, the defensive midfield should be picking up that run as MTT tracks back, and I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Busquets, I think, is what, 29, 20, 28? He's not... I think he's 28, I think. I will double-check as you carry on. Yeah, he's not, he's not an old player. And I mean, maybe it's a matter, of, a, a matter of exhaustion. Maybe it's a matter of nerves. I mean, the thing is, you know... Even though Barcelona had more possession last last or Tuesday night, uh, you're still seeing from this team uh, on a regular basis uh, PSG that is an ability to keep the ball, an ability to to play with, to play with possession when the situation fits. And they don't Barcelona may just not necessarily see that as often in La Liga. And that and to see a team play in a style not just similar to the way that they played, uh, you know, in, in the recent past, but a team talking keeping the ball short passes. Um, I think may have left them at loose ends. They, they didn't recognize how to how to deal with that because teams don't, even teams that are on you know on level footing with them in terms of talent, uh, which PSG certainly are in my opinion. They, they don't have that. They don't approach the match with that same directness. That same they tend to approach the match a little bit more directly. I'm not saying the PSG weren't direct, but that keeping the ball and and, and seeking to frustrate to frustrate Barcelona, I think left the team. With a lot of gaps, and Barcelona themselves were chasing shadows, and they weren't able to, you know, when they won the ball back, to make those short little passes and to to link things in a way that, in a way that, you know, showed the showed the cohesion that we tend to expect from from Barcelona. So it was, you know, I just they didn't they couldn't react. Um, yeah, Andre Gomez was, was awful. Wasn't it? Yeah. I think I think that they came out in halftime. You would have thought they got a rollicking, and they folded instead of galvanized. It was strange. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. It, I think the decision to start Gomez over Rakitic was strange as well. Um, I think that Rakitic offers more going forward. He's able to keep the ball better. I think I also think he's a better tackler, the ball, a better tackler as well. And so you know, having to contend with Matuidi on that that left side of central midfield. I, you know, I, it, it doesn't make sense to me that, you know, Matuidi had next to nothing to do defensively. So he was able to join the attack consistently, making runs and, and, draw, and pinning back Roberto and drawing, and drawing the other defenders out of position. And, you know, and you, you wouldn't have had that. I mean, Rakitic had been on the pitch for, from the start. I, I think things could have been a little bit different. I'm not trying to take anything away from PSG's performance, but, uh, it, I mean, I don't know. Would, would you disagree? Gomez is a decent enough player, but... You know what is he really? A defensive midfielder, a central midfielder. I don't think he's clever enough or def- or orthodox enough defensively to really uh, warrant a position in, in Barcelona's best first choice eleven. Yeah, he's he's more of a he's more of a deep line playmaker, isn't he? Really, more than anything, and he cuts, you cut, sort of get lost in the in the shuffle when Bush gets is too far up, so you're maybe sitting a little bit too far back, and you're not a, he's not a particularly good tackler or breaker up of play. I do. I thought he was decent at, at Valencia, but I, that's almost the role that Iniesta's playing now, isn't it? As is that sort of as he's got older, he's not quite got the energy to get up and down the field as much, so he's receding a little bit. So there was no real link between attack and defense, which might might explain. Uh, sorry, attacking midfield. So what that might explain why Bush gets felt the need to be further forward, and then it all capitulates from there. So I don't. I don't know. There was a lot of odd decisions and. Whether Luis Enrique stays at Barcelona, I don't want to stay on there them too off too long. But it's an odd one, isn't it? Yeah, it, it just you know I know Barcelona have had an uneven season, but this is really. I mean, I'm struggling to think you know whether I've ever seen them play play so poorly. And I'm actually I've watched personally. I'm sure there are other performances, but anyway, well done to PSG. Well done to these young players. Well done to Emery. I think that this is you know some level of indication that I, I think is really going to put the team in good stead for the rest of the season. I'm catching Monaco in the league is another story, but I think this was, even if they get handed a tough opponent in the quarterfinals, I think uh, this is, this goes a long way to making PSG's season go from poor to successful. Yeah. Real statement. Um, so just to finish off though, on this match though, 
let's talk about the role of Thiago Silva going forward. Um, you know, he was dropped from the match. There have been some reports circulating that he was dropped because he didn't feel mentally ready for the match. Um, other reports say he did have an injury. Um, so for you, Nathan, looking at the money on offer in China, in England, uh, this player could be worth 30 or 40 million euros, even at the age of 33 this year. Now, given, of course, the price of, of center backs uh, writ large across Europe, uh, does he keep his place uh, in, the, in the team next year? Or should PSG make money on him while he's still a saleable asset, given how well Kimpembe and uh, Marquinhos performed? Or am I totally overhyping this? I think they definitely showed you the future and what they can be. Um, it's a tough one. I'm, I'm still. I know a lot of people still think Silva's regressing in bits, but I still really like Thiago Silva. I think he's still, while the pace is slowly starting to ebb away, which made him world class. Let's be honest, because I always think a defender that has all those skills plus an extra yard of place makes him such a dangerous asset because he not only stops mistakes from happening in the first place, if he makes the slightest mistake, so you can recover from it, which is frightening. Um, he's he's a good leader. He, he clearly has a hold on the dressing room, as we've sort of mentioned before. Um, I don't know. I, what can you get? My question would be: Is can you get someone better in? Because even as cover, if he's willing to accept that, or uh, maybe not as well, many. Yeah, I think that's what's Sorry, what's underlying my question is: Yeah, what kind of? You know, we know we know his ego. We know his attitude. Is is he going to be a distraction? I mean, would you start him uh, in the return leg? Oh, good question. Um, it depends on how defensive I'm willing to go because that that's also the problem with Barcelona is that we say this ties over with four 0 but we've seen Barcelona score four goals before. It's not an improbable, it's not an impossible task for a team like that who can score so freely if you allow them to. Um, I would probably set up the same way as I did because a goal at the new camp is completely tie over at any point. So. Be positive about it. Don't worry too, too much about it. So I wouldn't change a thing, really, if you can afford to. I, obviously, it depends on players' fitness and, and a bit like that. But why not? They showed you why they deserve to play that game. Um, and if I'm silver, I I understand that. But going forward, uh, if unless you can get someone of equal measure, even if he does have to start more games often than not, because he's still not a... <laughs> It's not a bad defender to have even, and money's less of a worry for Paris Saint-Germain other than maybe financial fair play. Unless you can get someone worthy of a replacement, then uh, I keep him in, uh, in-house. Mm. No, I would tend to, tend to concur. It's just, I don't know, it, it's so intriguing to see a team that has sort of struggled at times with, with roles defensively. And we think about how, how many matches Alex played with the team. I mean, it's this, this team is... David Louise. I mean, this team has not really had a a, a a European champion level central defense. But I think that perhaps in Kimpembe and Marquinhos and another season, that could be there. I mean, the, and also the way that they they play off each other. They're both good tacklers. They're both quick. Um, they don't. They're both decent headers of the ball, and not on Silva's level, not on Luis's level, um, but. Yeah, I think there could be really something, something there, and I, I think the handling of those players is, is, you know, as they as they're rightly going to have a little bit more, uh, they're going to want to be in the first team a little bit more now, or particularly Kempembe after this performance. So, anyway, well, once again, well done to PSG. We'll move briefly through the Europa League fixtures before moving on to match day twenty six. Adam is unfortunately able to unable to join us tonight. Some technical difficulties. We do hope to have him back uh, next Thursday. Uh, so. Now, Nathan, we're going to speak about uh, Leon's trip to Alkmaar. The hosts uh, def- were defeated 4-1. Leon played very well. A brace from Lacazette, goals from Luca Tussart and Jordan Ferry. And in this, Leon played a diamond 4-4-2, but Sergi Darder was all but invisible. However, uh, in that playmaking role, however, uh, Lucas Tussart's goal showed how he can perhaps add the right blend of physicality and attacking impetus. You know, we've seen Leon go through so many formations this year, but I think perhaps in this, and it really ended up being functionally more of a 4-3-1-2 than a diamond. I know that might be semantics, but there was a lot of space between uh, the midfield three and, and Dardar at times. Um, is this something they could build on? I mean, you, you've got Maxime Gonalon has been in good form all season. Uh, it allows a little bit more freedom to Corentin Tolisso. Tussar can contribute 
at times, he's, he offers a bit more of a physical presence than, than does Dardair uh, or Jordan Ferry. Uh, and so if you have an appreciation of this formation, if, if you think that there's something to, something to be said for it, um, how do you construct it? How do you how do you line up? Because I don't think Dardair is a playmaker. I think we can agree on that. Uh, do you play Valbuena between the front behind the front two? Do you play Fakir behind Lacazette and Depay? How would you build this? There's so many little four storms, isn't there, in formations for for Leon this season? It seems like the third or fourth one we're going through. Um, I, I always agree with you that you need to give Taliso a little bit more freedom. Um, he's such a really excellent player when he's allowed the ability to move forward and back. And I think finally, Toussaint being a more defensive-minded player on occasion, although he can obviously support and he did well in that, and his goal showed that he can do. Um, he's maybe finally the right answer to the Ferry Dardier question of who do you play to, for Taliso. Ferry's, I don't think, good enough personally. Um, to do either role. Dardé's good going forward, but can't track back enough to cover uh, Tolisso's um, wanders forward because Tolisso's maybe not the best consciously defensively. Maybe this is the right mix. Maybe that's the best midfield three. Um, if you play a 4 through 3 as well, I, I, I would... I think the issue with the 4 4 2 for me, and, or a diamond or something like that, or is even if you play Valbuena or Fekir behind the, behind the strikers, I... I think that's eliminating someone like Valbuena, who's played terrifically this season. I think Depay sometimes works better from a wider role. Um, I think so. unless you're going to play Fekir as the second striker instead of Depay and have someone behind them, I don't know. I, I I don't know what you think to this, but I'd quite like to see like a four-two-three-one. In all honesty, now I'd like to see try and play Taliso in a freer role um, in the middle of the park, not necessarily right next to the striker, but. Um, a more advanced role with Toussaint and, and Gonalon sitting a little bit more, but also Toussaint able than both like a normal sort of old-fashioned 4-4-2 centre midfield pairing of them deciding when to go, when not to go. And then that takes the best out of Valbuena, who's been excellent this season. Um, it keeps Lacazette in that role, but players coming around him. Maybe Depay on the other wing, maybe Fakir, depending on who's playing the better at that point. I, I want to see what you think of, of maybe that, because... It's Genesio is going to play with this formation until he's eventually sacked, isn't he? So he's going to try and yeah. find something to happen. But I'd quite like to see that. I think that probably gets the best out of most of your players. I I don't disagree with that. Um, but this, I think, the sixty-four thousand dollars question there is: what happens to Depay? Obviously, Valbuena, you know, on form is is done fantastically well. Are you going to drop Fakir, given his reputation in the team, and given? Um, Given also the culture, I mean, let's face it, this team has built its success, particularly over the past six or seven years, uh, on academy players. And we've seen, and I, I wrote a piece on the site earlier this week that we've seen, we've seen earlier in the, we've seen other players that have some modicum of experience coming in. They don't have uh, a, a level of, um, oh, looks like Adam has joined us. They don't have a, welcome, Adam. They don't have a, a, a level of, um, of cohesion within the team, and I, I think not necessarily uh, in terms of how they play on the pitch, but how they're perceived in the locker room. Because I think that the transfers that Leon have got right uh, in the recent past, you know, and again, right is a relative term, but let's face it, uh, bringing in Valbuena, I think we can say it, but this, by this point, that's gone right. Um, Christophe Jallet, you know, he's a little past it right now, but you know, he was leading on team of the year his first season in Leon. That definitely came off well. Jeremy Morel's been a decent servant. The players that have come in at this sort of younger stage, it's Depay, it's Lindsay Rose, uh, it's, and it's Dardair, that, that are still young and still have promise of a future uh, ahead of them, but have played lots of matches, 100 matches for their first team. I know Dardair hadn't played quite that many, but he was a, he was a starter for Malaga for two seasons. Um, and I kind of wonder, you know, with that, how, how it subsumes, how, how, how those players are able to subsume their egos. I think that's that. That to me gets to the heart of why this why this could potentially be an issue, because if you play that four three one, I think that's that's great. I think that Toliso is a second striker, gives Leon more of an aerial threat that they don't have. I mean, all those attacking players, Corne, Gazelle, Fekir, Lacazette, they're. I think the tallest one might be Corne is what five nine, five ten, but having Toliso to be you know an additional aerial threat. You know, I'm not suggesting Leon play route one football, but it just gives them a different look should they need to play in that way. So I think you're right, Nathan, but 
Would Leon do that, given the money they played for Depay, given his reputation? I think no. Uh, but the, the other side of that coin is, you know, this player is going to be shoehorned into the first team. Claudio Bovo is another example. I know he's not quite as young as Depay and the other players I mentioned were, but, you know, he plays with a, he played with a certain amount of selfishness and, and was put into the team perhaps not with a good regard to the, to the rhythm of the way that the team played. And... And Leon suffered as a result. Um, and I, I, I really wonder whether, you know, however you want to form this team, whether Depay isn't the, deserves a place in this team, you know, no matter what, no matter what the situation is in terms of formation and player personnel. Very quickly, I think my, my hope is that he's there almost like Draxler was at PSG to push the other players, make them perform. If they don't perform, then it's Depay. And if he doesn't perform, then bring someone, bring someone else. There's plenty of options there now. Um, make them compete for it. But that's my opinion. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't disagree. But at the same time, I mean, you know, Draxler has really put his head down and worked, I think. You know, the way he, he's not trying to, he's not playing selfishly. We, we saw him on Tuesday tearing all over the pitch, dragging defenders out of position. Um, you know, his, his movement is, is, is incredible. I mean, that's, you know, not something we'd seen him, you know, get down and do, uh, you know, even at the best of times when he was, when he was in Germany. Uh, so I, I think that we need to see that kind of humbleness from Depay uh, to have the other players accept him um, in terms of the way they think they're approaching. So finally, uh, we're going to speak briefly about uh, Saint-Étienne's uh, 3-0 loss to Manchester United. Um, so, Adam, um, tell me, do you, is there life in this tie, or, or was an away goal imperative? Sorry for my lateness, by the way, everybody. Um, no, yeah, I think it probably was. Um, what... <laughs> yeah, um, watching watching the game, I felt like Sanetti, and it was a little bit of an opportunity miss. They 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 started very well. The first half was brilliant. For you know, they were very unlucky to be that that one nil goal down with that deflected free kick, which sort of trickled in. Perhaps Perrin thought Rufia had it covered and didn't react as quickly as he might have done. And at that point, sort of at half time, you felt like one one would have been like a would have been a sort of a fair result, a fair reflection of that first half. Given Hamuma caused some issues, Molly Package used his pace quite well. Jorginho was was in and out of the game as well. So, you know, they, they, they very much held their own in that first half. And they'll be very disappointed to go in, uh, you know, having considered that goal and perhaps not got an equaliser. They had a couple of half openings and were very much in the game, especially in the latter half of that first half. But second half, perhaps Manchester United's quality showed a little bit. Sonetti and legs tired a little bit. And obviously Zatan had to get his customary, you know, glut of goals against Sonetti and he can't, can't help scoring against them. It was almost inevitable that he'd get that hat-trick in the end. Um, I felt like in that second half, even if they'd got that goal, though, there was a couple of times that Rue had that chance. That he sort of dinked just over the bar. If, he, if he'd taken that 3-1, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. But if, if Manchester United come to Le Chaudron next week, Sinetti and obviously they're needing one goal for United kills it dead whatever they need to score three in any instance even take extra time I just can't see them doing that they're not a team that scores goals even if they went 4-4-2 and tried to be a bit more open and played two up front I, I still think it's very very unlikely so I, a percentage chance I'm sort of saying less than one at the moment for them unfortunately but that that penalty at the end was such a silly tackle from Kevin Telfer Telfer Catherine, who I felt to give the penalty away, of course, for Ibra's hat trick, and I just felt that was a really silly, silly challenge that he just didn't need to be making there. But especially when Ibra was going no with the ball way back to goal, there were two or three defenders around him, and he just and it was just inviting, you know, Ibra to go down and give that penalty away. So perhaps showing their lack of in the you know in the lack of experience in Europa League a bit there, Sinetian. So I have a feeling that three 0 kind of kills it, which is such a shame because it would have been, it will still be a great atmosphere at Sinetti next week. But with the tie alive, you really felt like it would have been a massive occasion at at Sinetti, and you know the fans had a great time anyway. They were doing the Poznan into into injury time, even though they were three 0 down. But it's like kind of kill the tie, which is a shame. But Sinetian can be semi proud with some with aspects of this bit. There aren't there are still positives to take. So unfortunately, I think that's them out. But. Um, I think it's it perhaps it's a learning experience for a number of players and perhaps for Gautier as well. All right. So that was our European wrap-up. We are going to move on now into our match day 26 matches. We have uh, we did not do so well last week. Uh, <laughs> even though Andres was in for Adam, we got uh, one correct prediction. 
Uh, <laughs> oh, no. It was a correct result. Uh, Tough analysis, everyone. Nathan picked PSG defeating Bordeaux. Everybody else got their matches wrong. That was Leon's loss to Gangup. That's the one we get right. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, we had Le- the four matches we talked about. I think we had Leon Gangump. Uh, nobody picked right. a Gangump win. We had Leo yeah. Angers. Nobody picked an Angers win. And uh, we had Ren Nice. And nobody picked a draw in that. Uh, so moving on, you know, we have, uh, I think, four matches that are, are I think, are pretty interesting. They're te- they're, a lot of them involve teams we don't speak about a whole lot. Um, and I think it'll be fun to take a look at that. So uh, moving on, we're going to start with Marseille hosting Rennes. Now, Nathan, this first question comes to you. Uh, no Bafatimi Gomez. He's out for about a month, uh, maybe more. Uh, now, Bunasar has played as a false nine before. Uh, is, this play- is this the way to go so the team can maintain that 4-3-3? Or should he go... With with Antoine Rabiard up top, how how should Rudy Garcia approach this match in terms of his attacking players? It's the million dollar question, isn't it? Well, it's what we said on Monday when when Gomez was announced that he's got, he's got that injury for I think it's three to six weeks, which is a body blow for Marseille. Really, they haven't got anyone to play in that position. I, I, you mentioned Rabiard, but that's a risk at best. That's probably the nicest thing to say about that opportunity. Uh, Bunasar is a false nine. I I really don't like Bunasar as a false nine. I think he's not good at it at all. Um, he's got pace, yes, and he's quick, but he doesn't think of runs in behind very often. He doesn't make clever runs from those kind of positions. He doesn't like do what like Hamuma did tonight, which is come close to the ball, uh, run into the channels often and bits like that, and, and really cause nightmares for defenders because they're not pressed up against you, which can really frustrate centre-backs. I, I think it's, it's a massive decision for Garcia to, for what he decides to do. Uh, what would I do? Um... I would uh, stick with me because this is a strange one as well. They've got so many players that are really good in those attacking areas. I'm thinking you could quite easily move Sanson further forward, as in maybe on a wing. Uh, maybe stick Cabela in that number nine, in the, the false nine role, because he's maybe a little bit more comfortable as a number 10. Maybe something like that. And then Tovan and then stick Lopez closer to them with Zambu and Guisa and Van Quir behind those two. Um, Maybe something like that, just because then it gets more players around the ball. Yes, you've not really got a presence in the box, but um, especially someone like Tovan, or, or, well, obviously Paye as well, so you could even play him in that role. The, those two, Paye and Tovan, are more likely to want to go for goal, so maybe have them a little bit more narrower than usual. Uh, try something like that, maybe for the next couple of weeks, see how that works out. It's a, it, it's a really, really tough decision, and it shows that... Marseille really needed to get a striker in the window and failed, and uh, they're in panic mode. Or Stephen Fletcher when you need him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, speaking of, I mean, Ren, Ren have their problems. They're, they're missing Maxair, they're missing uh, Yoris Nyang Yang uh, for this match. So they're not going to be great defensively. Maybe, you know, Marseille can come up with something. But Adam, Marseille also have problems defensively. Uh, Hiroki Sakai and Radfani are missing through suspension. Um, Maybe is this a match for Garcia to just change tactics totally, or how how valuable is this four three three in terms of his defensive aspirations? Yeah, it's they're big misses, aren't they? Really, when you look at their their team and um, you know, Sakai's been been decent in in recent games, and they've they've sort of found a little bit more solidity defensively with Patrice ever coming in, and you know you feel that you've been more confidence in that back four now, but it's whether whether you think they can move to, as in, can they switch up? They've got the players to switch up that back four to perhaps a back three. Um, I imagine Doria will play. Perhaps I've always thought perhaps Patrice Ever could be a decent shout at centre back for this Marseille side, given his experience. He's a very good defender. All right, he's decent going forward, but not perhaps the most you know mobile at 35. So perhaps he's someone that perhaps like Javier Mascarano has that could play in that in a very similar kind of role in, at centre back. So and maybe you could slot Doria in at left back, and perhaps you can get around it like in in that sort of in that sort of sense. I think with the formation overall, you 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 could in the attacking uh, sort of third, perhaps Paez and Amid, and then you could move Tuvan and. And perhaps Cabello or even uh, NG into attacking roles and go with a diamond, perhaps because that maybe that gets the best out of Pae. And perhaps then you can use the width of the fullbacks a little bit more. But then I guess with without Sakai, without those players, you're you're going to struggle a little bit for for mobility on the flanks from fullback areas. So it's a little bit the squad in general, perhaps in those areas, especially without the striker, if all the reserve striker with Gomez injured, it, it looks perhaps a little bit 
lopsided perhaps perhaps it really is lacking and we, we you know we said and i actually said i think in our transfer window pod that they, they come out the best of the transfer window but that maybe that's in terms of you know covering certain areas perhaps other areas they're still lacking perhaps they do need the more in more in defense you know only better has been out for a little while and probably be out again Again, um, so it's Huber Chan. So perhaps they need a bit more cover there, and obviously need the other striker. So I, I think this season is a little bit, is, well, more than a little bit. It's obviously a transition season. So I wouldn't be against against Rudy Garcia, you know, experimenting a little bit. Um, I think that's fine, perhaps because you know next season is going to be Marseille season, whether they make it into Europe or not. Perhaps it might be better for them that they don't, um, and they, they can go from there because they've had such a sort of a downturn. So, so I'd like to see Rudy Garcia experiment to some extent for this game um it just if whether he thinks he can move to three at the back or whether he moves ever inside or whether he makes use of direct left back is another question so there's there are options there but it's 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 almost a bit like sort of trial and error for now i must say uh, in defense but um definitely experimenting experimentation is is worthwhile i think yeah i mean it's frustrating because we're, the same thing happened last last season you know batchway with the only striker Okay, mm. then he's not available. Then what? You know, you you have to make do, and I don't know. You you think that with this new, you know, sporting plan and break a court, they would have learned. But yeah, well, what do I know, right? Uh, so, Adam, what is your score prediction? Well, I'm going to go one all. Okay, Nathan. Oh God, um, I'm going to go one nil. Ren. Way win. Ren has not won in nine matches. So Risky. Breaking, breaking their duck. All right. <laughs> I think it was the 2-1 home win for Marseille. They have been pretty good at the velodrome with that crowd. Uh, so, Nathan, turning to you, uh, you know, speaking about Angers hosting uh, Nancy, uh, Lisco have finally have all their players back from Africa Cup of Nations. But relegation is still a real threat. Both these teams are on 27 points down the bottom of the table. Nancy have been very hard to break down this season, but have had the worst attack on the road. Have the second worst attack, sorry, in league on the road. Only six scores scored, in their, scored away from home. Uh, does Pablo Freya stick to his guns with this negative approach, or should he put more into attack, especially with um, another match on the road against Calm midweek, two direct relegation rivals on the road in the next two matches? Yeah, it's such a it's a tough one, isn't it? Because uh, Andre have, have probably in a, in a can we say a minor bit of form a win at Mets, uh, heavy loss at Toulouse, but then a draw and then a win against Lille away from home sees them start climbing up the table finally after an awful spell. While, like you mentioned, Nossi have been not great away from home. They're not in fantastic form. They are really struggling to score goals. Um, Just looking at the last couple of games in all competitions, um, they didn't score against Monaco in the Cup. Uh, No goals against Bordeaux. No goals against Bastia, the other Bastia, in the round of 32. In In the French Cup, there's... Um, there's finally two against Nantes, but there's four conceded against Leon in midweek, three against Montpellier without reply. So, yeah, they can't score goals. So, against an Angers side that are starting to maybe slightly find their feet, they've got players like Pepe who can grab you goals, and they they probably could have scored a couple more at the weekend, I thought, as well. I thought they were relatively decent <clears> and, and put in a, a pretty good performance against... Uh, a Lille side that here, there, everywhere at the moment, aren't they? But yeah, this is a massive game for both of them. Um, if I'm Correa, can you stick with your defensive guns when you've scored and conceded seven in the last two games? Um, I may be trying to catch them on the counter. My hope is for them at least the game against Caen um, in the midweek is maybe a little bit easier at this moment in time. Um, I know they score goals, but they're more likely to concede. They're they're really porous at the back, and at the moment, you just take points in this situation. I think from the bottom areas because so many teams are just taking a, a win there and then three losses here, or a couple of draws in a row will make a difference. Really, so I don't see why you shift away from something that's at least worked a couple of times this season. If they can hold off Angers, it'd be a really good point. I think away from home, even though it's it's not going to vault them further up the table enormously but they're both in pretty much in pretty big danger but can they hold Angers out is it worth it they've not scored they can't stop conceding they're in that bad spiral and at this time of the season um you worry for them now all right so what is your score prediction then for this match one nil Angers words out of my mouth uh I'll go with two one maybe Nancy will get lucky uh, Adam? 2-0 hmm. Angers for me. Two, no. All right. 
Uh, moving on now to another battle of relegation threatened teams. That is Caen hosting Lille. Now, Adam, this question comes to you. I know you are Lille are one of the teams you track for Football Raider. Uh, they brought in a swath of players uh, in January, uh, completely restructuring their midfield and their attack. But now they look totally at sea. They sacked Patrick Colo, brought in Frank Posse. Lille have lost all of the matches in the league which have involved these new recruits and have been in the process up to 17th. Now, a loss here will drop them further into the playoff spot. Con remain uh, with, the, with the match in hand, that rescheduled match against Nancy on next Wednesday. Now, for you, is this an indictment of the quality of the players brought in or the philosophy that is behind bringing in a bunch of younger foreign players? And this is not a xenophobic thing. It's players who don't have experience with the league. That's what I'm trying to say there. Mm. Um, I mean, what, what's the issue with here? No, no, that's that's the question. Yeah, what what is the issue here? For okay, you? yeah, it's um, it's possibly a little bit of both. I, I think when you ask, when you say about philosophy, I, it's very difficult to know what the philosophy is. That perhaps they're lacking in direction in general. Um, Gerard Lopez obviously had his um had his sort of ownership of the club ratified by the financial authorities who are very strict in France. You know, if you do anything wrong, you are relegated for seemingly no reason. Bastia and uh, Trois before last season had trouble with them, so the you know they're quite, very strict and. It seemed that they were waiting until that happened. Well, they had to wait until they could sign anyone, and obviously that came in right at the end of the transfer window. And then they signed these six, seven players on on transfer deadline day, and it seemed like it was a little bit of a scattergun approach to recruitment. It didn't feel like there was a policy and really scouted these players, these ones that they've been, you know, had their eye on. And it just felt like quick get some players in because we're a little bit worried about the bottom, the bottom three. They're coming up quick, and we, you know, we need to we need to spend some of this money now because we can, and we want to get people bedded in. But it, it felt in not they're not I don't know if they're necessarily bad players, but it felt like that bad choices, all quite good players obviously, but it were they the right choices. It felt like they just sort of it was a bit go there they go, done. And it was it was a bit rushed and and it didn't it, perhaps that many players coming in at once a little bit, not just in terms of sort of the social dynamic of the squad, but in terms of the the the, the side in general. I, I've always felt that in terms of balance, Lille are quite a you know finely poised side. And although Ed doesn't score goals, he's not the, he's the classic front league striker that doesn't score goals. But <clears throat> I think when he's in the side, he adds he really does add you know a, a focal point for that attack. He really does allow people to play off him. He really gives gives them sort of a spearhead. And when you go 43-1 with Nicola Depraver as a lone striker, he's not the type of player that's going to lead the line. You know that's not really his game. He, he likes to drop off. He likes to pull wide, and he's going to you know support rather than be the main man to lead the attack. So I think. Leaving Edda out, I know he's been injured, and but they left him out for the, the game on on the fourth um, of February. But obviously he's been injured, so maybe he is still the main man. But without him and those players coming in, I think is is sort of a combination of both because especially an attack that really does balanced and and very sort of weak. So I, I think it's partially those players coming in as as well. But Edda is a, is a big factor in terms of in terms of sort of the wider picture. There's no where the players are coming from because obviously Joe Lopez is quite quite new and 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 whether whether he's overseeing the scouting situation and whether you know there, there's sort of things that he's he's driving and his team is driving I don't know or Mark Inger is, is involved with um, and the Bielsa link is interesting perhaps perhaps there's some some sort of uh, and he's saying these are the players Sort of lacking in in direction at the moment for Lille, which is which is disappointing because they are being sucked towards the bottom three. You don't expect them to get relegated because you know on paper there's still some very good players there. Amadou was missed against Angers; he was rested. Um, Korshar is still brilliant, and Yama is a fantastic goalkeeper. You know players like Depreville, El Ghazi's come in and looked you know inconsistent, but they're going to get you goals. So you'd expect them to be at least three worst teams in this league. But the 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 disarray they seem to be in at the moment could really suck them in. So that there's no no, no, no reason that you know. No, no wonder they're a little bit worried about it. And the final thing of this is is Frank Passy. I think it's a very odd appointment. I, and if you want someone to keep you in the league, in, do you really think Frank Passy is the man? I, I, I don't know. I know that Kulo's inexperienced, but he had got them playing, and it felt like this upset imbalance that, that happened over the transfer window was the main issue. Rather, you know, Fetcher Kulo, who who had done well, he got them playing, he got them exciting, playing exciting football, got the best out of players like City. To, Preville, they were looking good under him, so it felt like maybe a bit hasty to. to I know that they hadn't; they've been in some, you know, average form at best. But to to say that Frank Prassi's a step up from Patrick Kulo is, is it for me is is a bit of a jump. So I think there's a lot of questions to be answered, and I think we'll find out perhaps most of them in the summer, assuming they stay up, which I imagine they will. 
it's just uh, lacking direction. They need to. They need that philosophy. And if Bielsa comes in, they'll have it. But it, it, it all depend on that next manager whether this would be worth it or not. Yeah, I, I have to say that I, I fully agree with you on the appointment of Colo. I mean, the team are eleventh before these new players come in, and three matches yeah. later they've lost them all. They're they're down seventeenth, and yeah, that four two three one with uh, Benzia off of that air did did look really good. And I, it's mm. you know I I don't know. It's not like you can't come yeah. back from League Two. I mean, Lille, Lille, you know, would be a favorite to come back up. But we've seen League Two this season be a real dogfight for promotion. I mean, the bigger teams you'd expect to yeah. come up, like a, a Ras, for example, have really struggled. I mean, Ras kept most of well, a lot of their 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 more important players and have really struggled to 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 break away. Brest or League Two leader right now, but there's a whole pack of teams below them. Amiens have been a total surprise. So. I, I mean, relegation. Uh, some I've seen some some people downplay the what happened if if Lille were to be relegated, but I think it could be, you know, uh, something like Sochaux or Auxerre. But it could take them quite a while to come back up. Um, mm. The score predictions. Then uh, I'll go. I'll go with a one-one draw uh, for Con versus Lille. Uh, Adam, I'm I'm going to say nil-nil. Okay, and Nathan. Two-two. Two-two. All right. Can't have scored goals on occasion this season. It could happen. Uh, <laughs> so finally, uh, we are going to speak about Montpellier uh, hosting Saint-Étienne. Now, the question we should focus on Montpellier. Montpellier looked really bright last week against Nancy. That's their first road win of the season. Uh, does a win here, which would take them out of 32 points, uh, make them safe, or do we still need to hold our breath? Uh, Nathan, I'll come on to you for this. Um. Uh, 32 points. I th- Looking at the table right now, it probably just about makes them safe. I think with the amount of teams below them, especially if the results go their way, I mean, uh, I, I, not probably, I, I think, the favourites to win their game in hand. So say they come with them, but if, say if, if the rest of the results like Dijon and, and maybe Angers Nancy draw, uh, it probably just puts too many teams between them and the drop zone. And it, you, you're right in saying that it was a much better performance at the weekend against uh, Nancy, and they have been better in the last couple of weeks. They were played really well in the second half against Monaco, where they caused them some real problems and maybe could have nicked a point on another, on another day. It was a good win against Bastia, and they are starting to slowly pick up again, I think. Um, I thought Isaac Mbenza was really good. Um, he looks like an interesting player that they've brought in. Um, Mooney got his goal as well, and I think he's an important player going forward. He, Like you've mentioned before, Eric, he's He's really exciting. He, he does excellent work up front. He, he works hard. He, he looks for space in behind and, and can be a real threat in the air and on the ground. And when you've got a player like Riyad Boudibouz who creates two assists again, he's a wonderful footballer. He's a real asset to a team like that that I can't imagine a team with a player that talented going down because he dictates things sometimes. He, he created two wonderful little goals. Um and yeah, they they found a groove against Nancy. It's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be that easy against Saint-Étienne, who are incredibly stern in defence, as we know. Um, and they played pretty well for 60 minutes tonight, at least. Uh, it's I could, A win will be massive. Whether they get it is another question entirely. But they, they certainly have the talent, and they've shown in the last couple of weeks that they, they can put the cat amongst the pigeons when they want to. All right, uh, Adam. Final question of the program for you. After this somewhat disheartening result uh, against Manchester United, we have seen, though, despite the loss, Saint uh, Etienne play more positively in recent weeks. Now, how high for you can they go? And accepting the weekend's match against Montpellier uh, is fourth realistic. And, and what about next season? Um. Yeah, I. I have a feeling that 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 it that it is realistic, but it's going to be very very difficult for them to to, to finish um, as high as fourth. But it's definitely a target that they can aim at. I have a feeling that for Gautier, he, the club being an ambitious club, he's the longest serving manager in league. And he, I may have said this before on the pod a number of times, but I it's, this season is a test of to see whether he's taken the club as far as he can take it. And I think Sinetian as a club should be feel they should be challenging for top three even though they're not getting it but they should be close and they should be making the, the knockout stage of the Europa League perhaps going beyond this round obviously the tie of Manchester United is a is a bit of a glamour tie and I think they've kind of achieved their targets in the, in the Europa League now even though they're probably going to go out 
I think that's fine. If they had an easier tie, I think the the hierarchy would be expecting, you know, another round perhaps to show some progression uh, on, on previous year when of course they lost to Basel very narrowly. So I think Europa League is, you know, fine in terms of Gautier's, you know, targets for this season. But I think for the league, if they finish fifth or sixth, they don't get into Europa League again uh, or for this season, for next season, sorry, and they're a long way off of third. Then, which they are at the moment, you know, they're, they're what 14 points off, off, off Nice in third, which seems like, you know, I don't see them making that gap up. I think Gautier will be questioned quite a lot. But if they can finish fourth, if they can beat Leon to, to that position and, and they get make it back into Europa League, perhaps without a qualifying round, then it'd just be enough for Fesnetian for, for, for to say, you know, Gautier will get another season, and, or at least for Gautier to himself to say that you know there's still life in, in this team and this squad that, that he's built and that the club have, have built so i think it's still realistic leona stuttering i think nathan's right when you know genesio is sort of a, he is sort of his days numbered a little bit at leon like you feel like he's not going to be able to, to to pull them back to the form they had at their peak last season when he you know really revitalized them after fournier went so i, I think there's a very much race on between those two two teams and perhaps um Sinetin will, will target finishing above their rivals as, as a decent return and what's been a you know a very difficult season <clears throat> but that squad still needs to be improved if Gauti is going to really push on towards that third place or you know deeper into Europa League which is what their, their long-term or their medium term term targets are so yes but difficult to achieve all right so what would be your score prediction then Adam uh I'm gonna go one nil Sinetian okay. I'm going to go one all. Okay, I'm going to go for a 2-1 home win for Montpellier. I think they're in good form, and some of the emotional energy might have been sucked out of Saint-Étienne after today's result. Yeah. Well, thanks again, gents. Uh, we did run a little bit long today, but um, you know, I think some worthwhile discussion of uh, PSG and their future. Uh, for Nathan Staples and Adam White, I've been Eric Devin. This is the Get French Football News Preview Show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at www.gffn, or, sorry, at GFFN on Twitter, and to visit us online at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com. Thank you, and we'll speak with you Monday. Nathan has the main show going live from 8 o'clock UK. Thank you, and have a pleasant weekend.